Thank you for having me. Good morning. Uh, my name is Joey. I serve on the financial board here at Brownline Church. Um, I don't come here. Um, sorry, you're missing out, but I don't come here. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I should not do that because... This is it. Now we're all missing yeah, out. Now nobody we're all aware knows me, of what we're and now they out. think yeah. I'm this jerk. Um, <laughs> that too, yeah. But yes, so I, I'm here for an update uh, to give to you as a church and a community. Um, you should have received an email yesterday uh, from a message from Kyle. Uh, it should have been sent to your inbox yesterday. Um, if not, please contact us. We'll make sure you get that message um, as well. Um, effective January 31st, uh, Kyle had submitted his uh, resignation to the Brownline uh, Financial Board. Uh, so we accepted the resignation uh, and um, we are just wanted to have our presence here today to let you know that uh, we are here today to celebrate the service that Kyle has given to the church uh, as a co-founding pastor. So um, we wanted to make sure that we celebrate in his service as a co-founding pastor here at Brownline. Um, so on behalf of the financial board, um, we really appreciate uh, the service Cal has given to us uh, here at Brownline and to you uh, as a pastor and a co-founding pastor as well. Um, we would be remiss not to tell you of all this work that he has put into this mm -hmm, church mm -hmm. for the many years, uh, his vision and his energy um, his dedication to cultivating uh, an inclusive community here, um, as well as his commitment to building a children, a child-centered children program here, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the perspective that he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, so we know that Kyle has definitely left his mark here uh, at Brownline Church, and that he, um, that his hard work definitely is embedded in the DNA here yeah. of Brownline Church forever. Um, so uh, with that, please, oh. Sorry, you're losing your mic, there yeah. we go. There you it's go, okay. that's good. Okay. Um, yes, so please, we do encourage you to Make sure to, um, if you feel, uh, to send Kyle a message of appreciation uh, to his email address. Um, we, that was in the communication that was sent out yesterday. And so um, I'll take this little moment to bless Kyle and his family uh, for the hard work and service for the many years he's given to Brownline Church and that um, he is with us. Thanks, Joey. I appreciate that. Thank you. The board has been really helpful as we face this transition. So thank you. And uh, I wanted to take this point because it's a, a pretty big inflection point in, in our history, obviously, um, to just take a moment this morning to honor Kyle, my co-founding pastor and my co-lead pastor, my friend, and uh, for all that he's given to us. And so uh, I've I've, uh, I've tried to come up with, as best I can, in you know, a, a little bit of sharing on a Sunday morning, what are the ways that Kyle has formed us forever? 
uh, and that as this con church continues on into the future, we'll never be the same because of uh, Kyle's impact on uh, who we are and what we're continuing to become. Around uh, 10 years ago now, Kyle and I started our first uh, dinner and discussion group, which was not a church. It was just uh, a, a group of people that uh, were spiritually interested but didn't really feel at home culturally in any churches that were around. Uh, we started that because we felt like that was us. Uh, we had you know, a desire to connect around the person and the teachings of Jesus. We had a desire to learn about prayer and to try to believe that we weren't alone and small little specks in the universe, but there was some God of love that was holding everything together. But churches just culturally felt kind of distancing. They felt kind of different from uh, the rest of our lives. And so we were wondering, could we just have a group of people? We knew a lot of friends who might like to be a part of that. And so he and I started a dinner and discussion group. And then that dinner and discussion group became another dinner and discussion group. And then we became, we decided, okay, well, let's, we have got enough people here together. Why don't we host a group of people uh, on a Sunday as if we have a service together? And so we tried to do that. And we, that, uh, that was first in our basement, as Elizabeth was mentioning, uh, which were fun days. Um, but then eventually we decided, okay, we need to do this publicly because we think that there's more than just our friends and our friends of friends who are interested in this. Uh, and so we started renting out here at the Davis Theater. And now years down the road, eventually that became hosting a public service at the Davis Theater with a kids program. And then now it's become hosting a, a service at the Davis Theater while online as well. Hi, folks who are watching online. Uh, and every step of this way, Kyle's fingerprints have been all over this, of course, as a co-lead pastor. So I, I think there are three things that I'm going to do my best to consolidate <laughs> everything into three things that I, I think they're the ways that Kyle has shaped us. Number one is a phrase you've heard us probably say before, the healthy sense of humor and humility. This is something that we express as one of our core values as a church. In a deep way, it's, it's maybe... I don't know, it's maybe the core distinctive of who we are as a community. We don't take ourselves too seriously, even though we want to engage the deepest matters of life and talk about the hardest things of life. We always want to be able to do that while we're laughing at ourselves, you know, pointing the finger at ourselves and not pointing the finger at somebody else, because we actually think that that's a sign of spiritual health. And a big part of the reason that we embody this as a whole community today is because it's something Kyle has always naturally embodied. In a place like Chicago, there are lots of churches that are more informal and less traditional, like us. There are lots of those. And increasingly in Chicago, thank God, there are lots of churches that are more progressive and inclusive theologically and culturally, like us. That's great. There are lots, and, and we love that. But from the start, we have wondered if something that doesn't often exist in churches is this, what we've coined, a healthy sense of humor and humility. That is just not a very common thing in churches. But for Kyle, I think it has always felt like the only thing that could be done honestly. He, he did, never would imagine himself as like a spiritual guru or a spiritual expert that you go to. He's like the uber-religious, uber-pious church leader. He just preferred to be Kyle. And I think you always experienced that from him when you were around him. Uh, I, like, uh, it's, it's funny now that like a decade since this thing began, it kind of feels natural that we just, like, we don't, neither of us introduce ourselves as, like, Pastor Kyle or Pastor Vince, 
that, that all kind of feels like just natural that we're just, a, you know, we're, we're, we're another person here and we've given our lives to studying religious scriptures and to trying to help people uh, understand prayer and understand who God really is, not the monster that maybe we grew up with. We've, we've just kind of tried to do that from a, from a very like, oh, we're just fellow travelers with you all. And so that feels more natural now, I think, to our community. But I do not think that that comes naturally. And maybe if you've spent time in other churches or you're newer to this community and you're still a little bit jarred by how kind of relaxed we are, um, that, that is not a very common thing. That is not a very, uh, it's not something that you're going to just walk into any church and expect. And I think we have, in large way, Kyle's modeling to thank for that. Kyle's just always willing to crack a stupid joke, make fun of himself on the microphone, no less, uh, or sing We Three Kings, the Christmas carol, some random Sunday morning in the middle of June when we're setting up for church. And those random, like, not significant-seeming things, they actually matter a great deal. Because one thing that I think Kyle understood one thing that's important in general is that everything that happens in a church communicates culture. And especially everything that happens from a church leader communicates culture. It communicates, here's what's acceptable here. here maybe more harmfully, it communicates, here's what's unacceptable here. Everything that happens in a church communicates culture. And Kyle understood that responsibility. And he actually really, really understood that. He really got that anything that he did, whether up front or just hanging out with somebody in our community, communicated something about who's in and who's out, who's acceptable and who's unacceptable. And he took that responsibility seriously, always pointing the finger at himself rather than somebody else, always ready to make a joke to include and never to make a joke to exclude. You know, another story that I'm not sure... I'm not sure he or I have ever told in church, but maybe somebody like Elizabeth can correct me because she's been around from the beginning. Um, but it all kind of centers around this word humility that, uh, that we talk about, this healthy sense of humor and humility. It was, um, it was around this time of year, actually, because I remember it was... Uh, that, uh, this happened on Ash Wednesday, like maybe 11 or 12 years ago, I guess, and Ash Wednesday is right around the calendar here, or right around the, the corner in our calendar right here. And Kyle and I had both independently been praying about our futures and about the, the possibility of starting a community, like we were talking about starting these dinner and discussion groups. And we had planned to like be praying separately, independently, and then come together and kind of share with each other, this is what we felt like was going on in that prayer. This is what was coming to mind for me. This is what it felt like God might be speaking to me. Well, what did you hear? Okay, great. This is what I hear. And totally independently, both of us had felt impressed on us this word humility. And it's not really a word that we'd ever discussed before, but it, was, it quickly became a word that we attached ourselves to and thought, this is like the first value of what we want to be. We are, we, that, it's, it's so important, like the first thing, the first seed in the ground of what you want to be. We just, we wanted to have a community that was marked by a humble stance to the, toward the world. We were not saying like, hey, look out everybody, we're going to save the world. All those other churches, they're not saving people. We are going to save people. Look out, world. Get ready to be saved. You know, like that was not our, that was not our, 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 our approach, our, uh, our, our tone, our, even our message was, had, had little to do. What we wanted to be grounded in was humility. Here we are trying to contribute best we can 
to the flourishing of human beings. And we're going to do that from a Jesus perspective as best we know how. And we think that that will make a difference. We think that that can bring something. But we're not out here thinking that we've, you know, solved the grand puzzle or have something better than the, the people next door. Here we are just humbly offering ourselves. And I just, I, I think back to that moment when humility was so pressed on the two of us. And it's, it's, it's important that we, in this transition moment, we could just kind of look back and think, what were the things that have marked us since the beginning? I think that's, that's the thing that's marked us since the very beginning. Another thing I think about of a way that Kyle has formed us is Kyle's uh, passion for good theological research. So uh, I think Kyle's strongest ability when he was speaking to us as, uh, as a theologian, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, if you like that word, uh, uh, over the many years of our community, I think the way he's brought uh, lesser known but really important insights about the Bible or about God uh, and that can like expand our view of God rather than constrict it, that can expand our personal experiences of God rather than constrict it, I think that's been his greatest quality. Important but lesser known things from the Bible. Uh, so some, uh, some highlights I pulled. I went back in our talk archives, and so I don't know if you're looking for podcasts this week, maybe you'll go back and hear how our voices have changed uh, and, and listen to some old talks. But there's one talk that Kyle gave in 2014, so this is the first year that we were, I think it was like eight months into our existence as a, as a church that actually gives talks. And Kyle gave a talk on a, if you've spent much time in church, it's a very famous passage, and I wonder if some will be familiar with Jeremiah 29:11. Anybody gone to church before, familiar with this passage? It says, um, uh, I know the plans I have for you, plans to, for you to prosper, plans, familiar with this phrase maybe? Yes, yeah, some of us are nodding our heads, I see. Uh, so this passage is, you know, it's, it, it's made for like mugs, right, that you like, you know, take and you drink. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of beautiful things that have, uh, that have come from that passage. But Kyle, in this talk in 2014, brought us to the reality that was facing the group of people that, that those words were first said to. And the reality was, you are immigrants in a foreign world. And this, these, were, these were said to you to say, you know, you, I, I have plans to prosper you in this place that is not, does not feel like home, in this place where you are aliens, in this place where you are excluded, in this place where you are mistreated and seen as inferior, I have plans to prosper. And it just suddenly took on this whole new meaning because of the research that Kyle brought to this. And that is one of these, that's one of these perfect examples, I think, of the way that, you know, we can, we can get something out of a famous scripture, a famous quotation, even more than just from the Bible, right? Like a famous quotation from some famous person that you follow on Instagram or something, right? We can get something out of those. But what we dig into the context, as Kyle so, like, excellently did for us so many times, we get so much more. There's so much more that we can learn when we dig into the context. I remember in 2017, when Kyle gave us a history of racism in Evanston, the suburb just north of Chicago where he and I both grew up. He gave us a vision of Jesus as a liberative God addressing things happening in the here and now and not just like hoping, you know, saving people so they can go to heaven after they die. That was a cool talk. We learned, I learned so much about the city I grew up in and not just about God. 
uh, his talk from 2018 that was about the prodigal son. Everybody know the story of the prodigal son before, right? There's, there's two sons, and one son is a real rule follower, and one son is kind of like, wants to go and, and sow his wild oats. And so he says, give me your, uh, get, uh, father, give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until you die. And then he goes off, and he, as the story is often told in America, he squanders the wealth and then comes back, and his dad accepts him. And it's this beautiful story. Absolutely a powerful, beautiful story. But Kyle, when he preached on the prodigal son, brought us to a really interesting insight, which most people who read the passage from American lenses don't actually see. And the, the insight is that right before the prodigal son, who's gone off and squandered the wealth of his father, and then right before he comes back to his father, there's a famine in the land. And he is in struggle, and he's in dire need. And there's almost this idea that, like, like, if you read the passage just with what the passage gives you, you're like, wait a minute, actually, is, is, a, is, is, the, is the prodigal son really, did he just squander everything, or did this famine cause the problem? And Kyle showed us, that, like, he did such amazing research with it. He showed us that, uh, actually, if you show the prodigal son to a bunch of people who uh, grew up in America, and then you ask them, what is the thing that you most got out of this story? They think, well, that, that prodigal son was, you know, he... It, it's, he brought it upon himself, and that's what Americans say. But then uh, there's this research that showed the story of the prodigal son to a group of people who grew up in communist Russia that actually experienced a famine. And they say, what's the most important part of this story? And all of the people who grew up in communist Russia said, well, it was the famine. The famine was the most important thing. And yet Americans never even realized that there's a famine in the story. And I just remember Kyle presenting that to everybody, and I was just like, oh my gosh. I didn't realize there's a famine in the story of the prodigal son. I think I've heard that story a hundred times. And that is a yet another example, I think, of Kyle just, he cared deeply about bringing us to lesser known but important insights to understand things. And then I would be remiss if I do not mention Kyle's talk uh, in 2019 on hell. And uh, this is a good one if you want to go back in our archives. Oh, it's a great talk. And he talked about uh, the history of how we got to the Bibles that we read today in the English language that translate the word hell, hell. It's actually three different words, sometimes four different words. Some of the words are in Hebrew, some of the words are in Greek. But when we read them in English, it's all one word, hell, and how that has skewed our understanding of the loving God that we all profess to be praying to. And it's made our image of God so much more bloodthirsty, so much more angry, and so much more unforgiving. And all because we were, we were immersed in this lesser known but really important insight about how our English Bible is translated. Kyle has brought us important theological insights. Finally, my third thought on how we have been formed forever by Kyle. Spontaneity and the human element is my final thought. Spontaneity and the human element. In our partnership as co-pastors, uh, I have always been the long-range planner, and Kyle has always been the one who can read the current moment. And I think the fact that both of those things, both of those instincts, have uh, helped to found this church and establish us in our early years. It set us up to be wise and informed and also nimble and able to react. Never overly structured just for the sake of being structured. I and Kyle never wanted us to be overly programmatic 
or overly planned if it would push aside the human element, the fact that we are all human beings trying to seek God together. We are not robots trying to seek God together, right? If you read something that a church, uh, you know, hands you that says this is the way to personal growth and it doesn't feel like it fits you, that doesn't mean you're bad. It means the, the, pro, the thing that you were handed is bad. We are all human beings. We are not robots. He used to joke that um, as, uh, as, as pastors who are human beings like, like we are, who have other interests outside of church like sports and culture, uh, Kyle used to joke that we should contract our services to other pastors as uh, sports and culture consultants. So we'd be like, yeah, look, I know you really want to plan that event on this day, but that is the Super Bowl. You cannot do that. You know, I, I, know, you really, I know you really want to plan this, this, uh, this big thing that the church is doing this weekend, but the Avengers comes out that weekend. You cannot do that. I'm sorry. And you know, it was because it was so important for us to remind ourselves we are human beings. We have interests. We, have, we are not, like, again, we don't just fit into words on a page that supposedly all people are supposed to fall into. When the pandemic hit, Kyle was the first one to say he personally did not want to listen to a 40-minute sermon uh, online. <laughs> and so he was like, we need, to, we need to make this more like a podcast. And that has marked who we are forever because we really like this idea of conversations being uh, the meat of our messages on Sundays. That's become something that we've really fallen into and I love. And I think also tied to the human element, Kyle never wanted us to be overly programmatic or overly planned if it would push aside our spiritual element. The fact that we, in the end, we are trying to interact with a living God, not just a set of good ideas, not just a set of inspiring values. Be, beyond the good ideas, beyond the inspiring values, we are talking about a God of love that we can actually interact with if we can slow ourselves down enough to notice it, to pay attention to it. And I think this is such an important thing that Kyle lived and breathed. We are more human in the best way. We are more relational and spiritual rather than static and stale in the best ways because of Kyle. And this especially applied to the way that he led our kids program. His primary interest was this child-centered experience as never a curriculum-centered experience. And as I've been in talks with many of our own parents as we're putting together what does a post-pandemic kids program look like for our church, this is a key value that we are sticking to. We cannot become something that we lay out a curriculum because it's supposedly good and then ask the kids to conform to it. We need to discover what is reaching children at the various and diverse and, and different experiences that they're coming in with, especially living in, growing up in such a different world than we grew up in, the internet being ubiquitous now, all of these things that make things like we thought must be the case when we were kids, and so gosh darn it, when I'm a, a grown up and I have kids, I'm not going to do that. With all of these things, are, they're just asking kids to squeeze into a program that's offered them. But what if we could be more child-centered? What, what if we could begin from that place and, build, and make that the foundational, uh, the foundational uh, level that we build on top of? This was important to him, and we is staying with us. His drumbeat that he left us with is that it's not the content in a kid's program at a church that will teach the kids the most about God. It's not at all. It's actually how they're treated by the adults at church that will form them and teach them the most about God. We need to make sure that any kind of program that we have 
is being kind and loving and seeing children, not just giving them content we think is good. That's so important. That's the human element that I think will stay with us. Thanks to Kyle. So these deposits, humor and humility, theological research, spontaneity and the human element, these are a part of what Brownline has become and I think a part of what we will remain and continue to become. And we are grateful to our co-founding pastor, Kyle Hanwalt, for these things. Would you join me in prayer? We're going to pray for Kyle and Michelle and the Hanwalt, and we're going to pray for Brownline, as this is a big, big moment for us all. And pray with me. <clears throat> God, we do turn now our attentions internally to Kyle, our co-founding pastor, who has left us with so much, and to the Hanawalt family, Michelle and Will and Nora. We pray for a strong sense of your presence, the living God, not just good ideas, but the living God, a strong sense of your presence as the one who is luring and beckoning them toward peace and joy and health in what is next for their family. A strong sense of your presence with them as they make this big transition and as it no doubt comes with complex emotions. We pray that they would feel welling up in them that unseen side of appreciation and love that can just, we don't, we don't even realize what power it has, but it can go out there and just land on somebody and increase their energy and encourage them and leave them feeling more ready for their day than they were before. We pray that none of the appreciation and the care and the support and the love that this community has for them would ever be lost on them. None of it would be lost. Every bit of it would be counted and felt and experienced in their bodies even. We pray that they would they would feel a release of stress in their own bodies. They would feel at peace. They would feel encouraged for what is next. Every bit of the appreciation and love that this community has for them would take root and bear fruit. And for BLC, that all we have learned from Kyle would take root that it can bear fruit. That we also would have a strong sense of your presence, God, the one luring all things, beckoning all things toward joy, health, peace. That you would lure us now toward what is next in our big transition. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, if you are wanting to express appreciation to Kyle, uh, uh, you can send an email. His personal address is in the email that went out to the church uh, this week. And again, if you've not received that, you can just grab Joey or me after the service, and we will make sure that uh, you do.